Hi, Ari. How are you? I'm doing great, Rajesh. It's snowy out here in Westchester, but I'm on the edge of my seat to find out what we're going to talk about today. I'm really excited to connect as well. I uh, was very inspired coming down to your offices recently and talking about product-led growth. And today I brought an interesting topic that I think we're going to have a lot of fun landing. Are you ready for it? I'm ready for it. Hit me. Okay. So I was in New Orleans over MLK weekend and I was on a family trip. And by the way, I was so surprised with how much fun I had. It is a great town no matter what. But I think I only saw a different side of it this time going with my kids who are 10 and 13 and my wife, Peggy. And while I was there, we had really good conversation around a lot of things. But one of the things I was explaining to the kids was how to open a conversation by saying, good afternoon. May I order a muffalada? <laughs> and for those that don't know what a muffalada is, it's like a, it's like a traditional sandwich of New Orleans. And it was sort of invented by the Italian immigrants who came. And it's like, have you ever had one of these before, Ari? I'm familiar with them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So good afternoon. May I order a muffalata? Yeah. And, and that proper greeting is valued. I feel like people in the South or in New Orleans take more of a moment to pause. Whereas in New York, the proper thing would be like, turkey avocado, please. Like the value is around speed and efficiency maybe necessarily versus that pause. And so then I was thinking about how does that topic get into a definition of how we approach people based on the context and their worldview? I love it. But before we go... What do you think? I do love it. Um... I am stuck though on the image before we get to the PLG or the, the business, just how did it come out with your children that you start to say, children, I'm going to teach you how to order food and how did they react to that? Well, I mean, I guess they were, they were suitably patient, right? I think they were, I think, first of all, they were surprised with, like, what's a mufalada? And, like, Dad, you're mispronouncing it. And why does everyone else say it differently? And I'm probably still mispronouncing it. But they also were, they were kind of intrigued by this idea of different places have different customs or different people have different ways they like to be communicated with. Curiosity with some eye rolls, I would describe it. Okay. That's normal for your teen, preteen group, having had a few of my own. I was, I don't know if I ever told you, I was born in Mississippi, oddly enough, but grew up mostly here in New York. So I feel like, though I was not much of a Southerner, that makes sense to me. I lived in Texas for a while and the cultures 
different and the experience is different. Do you think that then has implications about the idea of personalized experiences and how you design journeys for users? I think that's exactly right. I think this idea of meeting people where they are gets into personalization, it gets into segmentation, it gets into personas and context. And when I think about product-led growth and you know what ordering lunch can teach us about product-led growth, yeah. I I really think about how might we put ourselves in the shoes of that other person or our customers and think about what would be most helpful to them based on the context that they're experiencing their own lives, problems, businesses, challenges to be. And and I think that it's really interesting that it it starts to be a way of sort of saying, okay, what pain points exist? Uh, how can we educate through our product? How can we maybe provide branched product experiences depending on what that context is? Well, there's one lesson that I take from that that I'm 100% aligned with. And then there's one challenge I want to throw back at you. So the aligned part, the idea of being in your user's shoes, walking a mile, feels so important to me. It is remarkable in my work how often if I'm sitting down with a campaign team and I say, well, did you go through the entire, entire process of visiting the website and finding the trial and signing up and tell me about the experience? Is it, oh, no, I didn't go through the end-to-end experience. I made sure the registration form worked or I made sure the website was updated. The simple act in something like digital experience of, did you go through it yourself? It's obviously a best practice. We all know we should be doing it, but I could say probably 80% of the times I sit with teams, they haven't done it. And they haven't done it together in a way that lets them sit back and talk about, well, what was the experience we just had? So that feels 100% aligned. The, The part that I have a growing heretical view around, tell me if this offends you, is it's probably almost required when you get up on stage, you're giving a talk to talk about personalization and personalized experiences. And I'm growing to the point where I don't know about at least the word personalized and the implications of it. And quick story with my family, my daughter and I spent uh, a day in the city over the holidays. We went to see a show and we stayed at a hotel and her favorite thing is can we stay at a hotel and order room service so we we're in this suite and we got room service fantastic day went to bed at night and i've got this bed and the pillow was really big and hard all of them i said ah, let me get another pillow big and hard not a soft feather pillow i was reminded of having met with a client, well-known hotel, and how they had database of information about user preferences. So they would have known, I was thinking, ah, you know, this hotel doesn't know that I prefer a soft feather pillow. And that to me is personalization, that level of data specific to me. 
But the other thing I thought they could have done if you didn't know that is they could have just had two kinds of pillows because there were 50 pillows on the bed. So this example was growing in my consciousness as I was saying, there's personalization, which tries to be really precise about, I know Rajesh and he came to the website. I'm going to change the experience for him. And then there's experiences that are just really simple and easy and let you choose. And the more I both experience those things, but also more analytically that I work on those things, empowering that user to make a choice seems to play out more consistently better. And I even think for your own kids as they're getting trained in New York versus New Orleans, there's not one or right answer. Can you make the choice? Can you let the user make the choice? What yeah, do you think? and then it, if the user makes the choice, does that mean it's not personalization, right? Maybe the, the way we solved it was through user choice versus necessarily creating a database with analytics where you know, we gather up your preference on what kind of pillow you like to use. Maybe it's about highlighting that this is a pain point uh, and choosing to solve it via choice versus choosing to solve it with only using data and analytics in a database with one right answer, which is a feather pillow. Got it. Well, that, I'll buy that. So we can bridge the two if we say personalization is the outcome. but there are different paths to personalization ranging from on my side of the world, predictive models and great deep insight about you, but that have some element of a guess to it versus really clean, simple design that lets you make a choice and you choose your own, you create your own personalized experience. Yeah. I think we look up personalization. The standard definition is this idea of using, you know, customer or audience and data and analytics to meet individual needs or certain even some cases account needs so i am sort of morphing the definition a little bit here from the standard definition but i think you get to the same outcome which is a personalized experience something that you know yes we had to we solved it with choice rather than getting all the data up front but you know what would be really cool is if we could actually maybe solve it with choice now and then the next time remember that so we had like a system of learning right where like then you don't have to give us the data maybe we can get whoever the housekeeping is to give us the data that this was the pillow that was chosen and used that's right uh, which i see a lot of opportunities both digitally and in, in our case in events and face-to-face -face sales engagements that Imagine moving away from registration forms to observed behavior. You don't have to tell me what industry you're interested in or what role you play. If I have three case studies on the website and you pick the one that's telco, Hudlin, pretty clear you're probably in telco. So choice informs future personalization. I do wonder by the way, because you know I'm a, such a believer in experimentation. Is it also possible that customers in New York would like a more personal 
slower experiences? Like, have we personalized it so extensive that we say, well, in New York, everything speeds, so it's just turkey avocado. But what if that's not true? When do we interject an experiment into our sense of personalization? Yeah, and and I would say that it's not true in New Orleans the other way, right? Which is, I'm sure there are situations where it's really busy and mufaladas are flying off the shelves and like, we just want to know you want a mufalada. Right. We don't need to hear the good afternoon. Uh, so, you know, there are some very broad generalizations I think um, I'm certainly making here. But, but I think that kind of goes to that idea of like context and communication. And by the way, my communication preferences change based on the context, right? Like if I'm, and and, and I think one of the things that we're fortunate uh, when we think about, and I think this is another really interesting topic. When we look at digital experiences, purely solely digital experiences compared to experiences that are digital and physical. So that customer journey spans digital and physical. It's much harder there to understand context and communication because it's right. sort of always changing. With purely digital though, you know, we look at examples like educating through the product and Slack's onboarding. You're like, okay, I can educate through the product and you can click through it, all of those onboarding screens really quickly, or you can just close it in the corner. That's right. And now I don't have to make a choice between context, right? I'm letting, to your earlier point about the pillow, like I'm letting that user decide or, you know, providing branched product experiences, right? It's all possible when it's all digital, but it becomes much harder when that journey, and I, I say journey, but we know it's not linear. It's often a, you know, moving in a constellation and sort of way. Are you with me? I'm with you. And I'm, I had a really good experience. I haven't rented a car in a while. I don't know if you're traveling, you're renting a car. When I go places these days, I'm just as likely to have someone drive. And I rented a car recently, I think in Austin. And Hertz Gold service has always been a nice service because you're, you starts digitally, sign up, I'm going to be in Austin. These are the parameters. And then you see your name on the board and you walk right out to your spot. And I hadn't realized, this is probably old news to other people, that today they don't give you a spot. They say, pick a car from this row. I thought that was an incredibly nice example of letting me make a choice that makes the experience more personalized. And by the way, in giving me that power, I'm giving them more data back because my ability to choose tells them what kind of car I most like. And it's a really nice example of digital and physical, choose your own adventure kind of customization but with the ability to pick up data, let's be more personalized next time. All those elements came together, which I hadn't thought about until you just raised that possibility. Yeah, that's that's really nice. That's a really nice example. And, you know, I think that the, the theme in there that probably to carry forward is this idea of relationship design. So, you know, one of the things, and 
again, we, we need to spend more time together, Ari. One of the things that we've been working on here at Ogilvy is around how do brands design relationships with their customers? Hmm. What does it mean to have a relationship? How does one go about designing a relationship? How does one invest in that relationship when we're together and when we're apart? And so this, typically, if I look at my personal relationships as a guide, there is an ebb and flow or there is a give and take. There's a asking questions and listening, but then the other person asking questions and listening. There's a getting to know each other. There's how, as a brand, do we tease out these kind of preferences or questions in a way that feels natural and allows me as a brand to get to know you as a customer and vice versa. And, and that mix of, of some structure combined with some choose your own adventure is probably a, a really nice way of getting started. So we get to get together and talk about You've got the more relationship, strategic, B2B, that that version anyway, feels really relevant. I've got, when you visit us, like hyper-practical, product-led <laughs> website questions that start from the same place. In other words, we're debating if you're trying to sell more of planning analytics, really powerful analytics capability helps you take cost out of your business, all kinds of use cases. When someone comes to that website, what's the best way of introducing them to a product that has multiple entry points? Well, depends on your job role, depends on your use case. We have a sustainability use case, if that's your focus today, versus a cost takeout use case. You could design the world's biggest website because it's got 7,000 pages because there are all these. You could use reverse IP lookup to try to pick up the industry or cookies, right? And that's more that traditional or data-driven personalization. Or, which is why this is so much in my mind, you could have more options in the user guide if, if you can keep it simple and clean. You're introducing the idea that there's some balance between those and some mix between them, but I'd love to take a really concrete example and work through what does a user experience look like that allows it to feel personalized through using these different kinds of tools that we've been discussing. Well, you know, this is my jam. I mean, I love this stuff, and and uh, that, that and that's kind of where I where I started and where my career began was like hardcore product led growth and digital product. And you know, one of the big learnings at the time, and this is going back over you know a decade plus, is you know the opportunity to get the most data exists right at the beginning of the relationship because mm. and so i remember there was this idea of like reduce friction in the onboarding experience by taking out email or taking out phone number we will take out one of them we don't need both if you give us your email we're going to get more people to convert to registered user or registered with us by only taking one or the other and and you do you get you know at that point in time you're getting a couple points of um, conversion uh, increased conversion. However, 
if you don't take both pieces of information right at the beginning of the relationship, it sure is hard later. Uh-huh. Right. So it's sort of that idea of like, how how does one really design a relationship, right? And how how does it make it feel like it's not a chore? I mean, I, I stay at different hotels. They've probably asked me a thousand times to input my pillow preference. I've never done it, right? right? So, right, like, so then how, but if you'd asked me and made it part of the onboarding experience that I couldn't sign up without telling you what it was, of course I would have done it there. Uh, I probably wouldn't have liked it. I would have not understood it. I would have been confused by it. Um, so, so this idea of like when to collect what, where, and in what mm-hmm. context, and typically, you know, as you know, so well, it's like often, you know, you do it in context to something else. Um, that's what we found in those cases, the progressing profile, progressive profiling can work well back to your contextual point is there's a difference between saying, can I have your email address? If I'm saying, Rajesh, can I have your email address? Um, versus, hey, I'm having a get-together, a dinner. I want to send you an invitation with directions to my house. One of those, I'm just taking something from the view. One of those, I'm offering you something. And I do think it gets back to that theme of giving you choices. Yeah. This is, this is one of those topics that when i when i when i take it back to when i take it up a couple of levels it's one of those topics that i think we can keep unpacking because one of the things that we didn't get into deeply here was world views and in particular there's a branch of i guess psychology called spiral dynamics hmm. that starts to catalog people into different worldviews. And so there's some people who, who, who are approach the world and they say, you know, it, it needs to be, our decisions need to be made collaboratively. And there's others who approach the world and they're like, oh no, it's a traditional hierarchy. And, and for some reason I carry that traditional hierarchy and now I'm going to make my decisions like this. And there's some people who approach it and they're like, I actually, the way decisions should be made is they should be made based on who's the most powerful person in the room and let them decide. And, 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 and we, as individuals in this theory of spiral dynamics, we all kind of come at this idea in our, from our own preconceived notion in some way, shape or form. Then you kind of get into this idea of like segmentation, personas, personalization. And often we're looking at it on like a very surface level of saying like, okay, it's this age group, or it's this kind of socioeconomic background or geography or, you know, just like my basic example in New Orleans, it's like, oh, in the South, they appreciate good afternoon. Well, that's super basic. Right. And so the topic of deep empathy for our clients, for people, is also probably understanding their starting point in a really deep, fundamental human psychology level it looks like i've got to look up spiral dynamics first of all i don't know that and it sounds like we need a how to order a sandwich episode two to keep going and get deeper into it awesome great to see you ari thank you have a great day